Frequency Cast. Startup in progress. Hi, and welcome to Frequency Cast, the UK's digital TV and technology show. At Frequency Cast, it's our mission to keep you up to date with today's tech, answer your questions, and keep you entertained along the way. Our shows are driven by your feedback. You decide what we talk about, and we'll do the rest. Here's what we'll be looking at today in show 113. The fix for premature email sending. Drones, will they deliver the goods or crash and burn? Watching out for sun overexposure. Is Kelly up for the latest social media challenge? Plus, your views on smart meters and the BBC Radio saga. First off, here's Pete with the latest tech news. Frequency cast, now loading, news. The headlines for a very hot July 2015. First off, good news for European roamers. After many months of debate, it's finally been announced that the mobile phone roaming charges across the EU will be scrapped by June 2017. Ahead of this, from April next year, a cap will be put in place to make sure that mobile operators can't charge anything more than an additional 3.5 pence per minute for voice, 1p per text, and 3.5p per megabyte of data. Good news. Next, iOS fans note that iOS 8.4 has been released, adding Apple Music. This allows playback of millions of songs, also radio stations, and new ways to connect with other music fans. Apple Music will be free for the first three months, then £9.99, the same price point as rival Spotify. Next, the move for payment by touch continues with a new innovation from Barclays. BPay offers a key fob, smartphone sticker and a wearable wristband, all three of which can be touched onto a suitable reader to make payments of £20 or less. You don't need a Barclays account or a Barclay card, and you can find details on today's show notes. Staying with finance, one to watch here in the UK is Atom Bank. They've just been granted a UK licence to operate the first British digital-only bank. And with a former First Direct boss at the helm, we should expect good things from Atom. Watch this space. Next, Amazon. Later in the show, we talk about plans for Amazon to deliver faster using drones. In a stop press, Amazon has launched Amazon Prime Now. Although it's nothing to do with drones, it's very ambitious. Delivery to those within London in just one hour, for £6.99. Or same-day delivery in London for free. It's available only for Prime subscribers, and other parts of the UK will be served soon. And finally, we all know that asking Siri silly questions is a hoot. Here's a new one to try, and it seems to have gone viral. If you've got an Apple iOS product, ask Siri, what is zero divided by zero? And so the Android fans out there don't feel left out, try saying the following into Google. OK Google, what does the fox say? Yup, 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 a dup, a dup. Hours of fun. Also, it seems that Siri can't recognise the word Cylon, but Google's assistant can. Make of that what you will, and have a cool July. Thanks very much, Pete. For more tech news, go to frequencycast.co.uk forward slash news, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Frequencycast number 113. Blimey, we're whizzing through these, aren't we, Kelly? We're getting old. How are you doing today? How's your month been? 
Not too bad, but I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. It has been a while. Uh, although you did see me on Periscope the other week. I saw you retweeting yet another one of my little Periscope ventures. We're not doing that tonight, though, are we? We're not going to do live Periscoping tonight. Not tonight. We didn't put our makeup on. Do you know what? We didn't get a single person commenting on Periscope about our show last time. No one said, do it again. I wish I'd seen it. I'd missed it. So that's it. That's, uh, that's tough. We're not doing that again. Yeah. Shame. Now... We've got several exciting things to talk about before we dive into a couple of uh, the features of the show. Uh, The first one is an announcement I saw from Google a couple of days ago, which I think is going to revolutionise email, certainly for me. Have you ever done it? You've composed an email and you've hit send and the millisecond you've hit it, you've gone... (gasps) I do that all the time. And usually because I forgot to attach what I needed to to that email. I've written the whole thing... And then not done that and sent it. And the whole context of that email is as attached. I've done it where um, I get very blase. I've got a spell checker on mine. And when I send an email, it says these words are spelt wrong. And I just go ignore, 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 ignore. And then it just automatically sends. Or the other one is where you've hit reply to all. And you're talking about someone in the CC that you shouldn't have done. Instead of reply, what an idiot. You've done reply to all, what an idiot. Have you done that one? I've not done that one, but I can imagine a lot of people have been in some very sticky situations from something like that. And that's the thing, is the moment you've hit send, it's gone. Years and years ago, there was some old, some recall button you could press. Never worked, but there was at least a button that you could sort of think. Because that email, you know, is sitting in someone's inbox and not read yet. So it's sort of vaguely deletable, but but isn't so um yeah the other one i've done i did make one mistake once there was a a girl i had a real thing for this girl and she was she was quite well endowed should we say oh pete i sent her an email and as i sent it i realized the typo i said i'd love to see you to chat about this more if you're not too busty and i meant busy (gasps) oh no oh pete to this day, that still haunts me that she would have opened that. and Yeah, but the good news is there could actually now be a fix. And this is something Google has added to uh, Gmail, an undo send option. As you hit send, you've actually got 30 seconds to cancel before it actually leaves. Amazing. I think that is the best news I've heard in a long time. That's going to get a lot of people out of a lot of holes. So uh, if you use Google Gmail, you have to turn this feature on. So to turn on undo, you go into settings and under general, you look at enable undo send. That's the one you need. And that could get you out of some rather sticky situations. I think it's time for me to sign up to Gmail. Uh, You might have to if you're not too busty, that is. Right, the next thing I want to talk to you about is drones. My favourite thing, drones. Yes, go on. Have you actually played with the drone yet? Well, no, I haven't, but the amount of times you've flown one into a tree, I, I don't know that I need to do that for you. <laughs> I've discovered that trees are magnets for drones. They absolutely are. Every time I go out flying, the thing is I've got one of these really small light ones. And once it's up, if the wind gets it, that's it, game over. It's just off on its own little journey but oh they're lovely i love my little drone i've now fallen in love with a new one that does amazing hd video it's really really good would you like to see a video clip of some amazing drone footage oh go on then shot from a drone this is full hd it's gorgeous it's up on youtube and we'll put the clip up on youtube as well are you ready i'm ready okay here we go 
Uh, this is out in Utah somewhere. Where was this? Pinnacle Peak in Utah. Look at that quality. Well, yes, it's it's very beautiful, but it's similar footage to what you would have seen, surely, if, if you'd been in a plane and... I know, but this is a drone that you're in control of. Now, look, he's going to zoom in here. You ready? OK, well, we're still going around Pinnacle Peak at the moment. I'm not I'm not seeing... Oh, it's starting to zoom in now, right? Oh, wow, it's getting very close. Oh, oh, <laughs> and it just crashed. <laughs> oh, dear. Is that when the wind took it, Pete? Is that what happens? It kind of looks like it's being chewed by an angry bear at the moment. I take it it just fell. So what you actually see in this clip is it uh, crashing into Pinnacle Peak and falling quite a distance. It actually survived. Apparently it wrote off $2,000 worth of drone, but the camera actually survived. It's a GoPro that was on it. And herein lies the interesting problem with these things is if they lose signal, what they do is they return to the point of launch. It's a safety feature. So if it gets interfered with or the battery goes or it gets jammed or anything else like that, it's one default position is to go back to where it launched from. The problem is it was the other side of the peak. So when it lost its signal, it just went. It didn't realise there was Pinnacle Peak in the way. Oh, oh no. Oh, that's such a lovely feature. But yeah, it really didn't work in that instance. That particular case, it actually didn't work for it. But uh, that's the great thing about these drones is they do have these features, GPS locking to keep them stable in the air. That's why that footage was so gorgeous, because it was just dead still and amazing quality. But yeah, the go to home. The other issue with the go to home is if you forget to set it, it goes to the previous home. Or in some cases, the location of the factory that made it. So you let it go out of range and it will just wander off to Korea until the battery dies. Oh, that could be really damaging. Or well, mind you, if you lose your drone and then you could go home and just find it there on the doorstep. Well, apparently there's quite a lot of people have actually lost very expensive drones uh, just because either the wind gets to them or they lose signal or they don't know how to fly them properly and, uh, and off they go. Some of them are controlled from your iPhone where you do sort of left-right tilt. And we've had people that have had an incoming voice call while they've been controlling it. And they've taken the call and the drone has just wandered off on its own. because they. <laughs> That's really funny. More for them. This is what I wanted to show you, though. The future of Amazon is going to be drone-based. How? In the not-too-distant future. And this isn't a wind-up. This isn't an April Fool's. This is a genuine thing. Amazon has got patents for drone delivery. And they are looking at launching something called Amazon Prime Air. Initially in the US, but eventually over here where you can order something and it will be delivered to you wherever you are, not your postal address, but wherever you are by drone. Really? Watch this little video. And again, we'll put a link up to this on the website. But here we have somebody ordering Prime Air 30 minute delivery. So this is a shot of the inside of Amazon's factory. The item being packed, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. In what looks like a sandwich box. Yeah, it's a Tupperware lunchbox thing, isn't it? Yeah. Down the conveyor belt. Is it actually being attached to a drone? Okay, it's actually been attached to a drone and has flown off. And this is a genuine Amazon promotional video. This is a test of what it could be like. So it's not, you know, it's not ready to be deployed yet, but this is the route they're looking at. This is mad. And that's it being delivered. That is absolutely crazy. My gosh. <laughs> Google undo and Amazon drones. <laughs> In all seriousness, um, the FAA 
has has published that they are because there's some technical issues here. Um, there are rules about flying drones. You can't fly them at the moment. You've got to have line of sight contact. So Amazon couldn't do that because they wouldn't physically be able to see it. There's also height restrictions, weight restrictions that you can't fly where planes are. Mm-hmm. But the FAA is creating a ruling for use of commercial drones. And Amazon has a patent to do this kind of stuff. So over the next year, the FAA is going to be finalising how this kind of thing is going to be allowed. It's going to happen. This, this will happen. It's how it's going to happen that's the interesting bit. And Amazon have said they're ready. As soon as they get permission to start doing it, they will be launching a service like this. I actually can't wait. I think that is the best news ever. However, you're not going to be able to get very much delivered weight-wise. There is an issue with weight, absolutely. There's another interesting issue, uh, which is hackers finding out the frequency that these things are flying on and uh, hijacking things. There's obviously a safety issue as well. You know, this thing comes into land with a spinning blade and you've got someone's head in the way. To be honest, I can't see this happening anytime soon. As much as I like it, I think your corner shop has more chance of delivering because just for the close range in comparison to, to Amazon, yeah, I, I just can't imagine it. I mean, if you had sort of rather than to the door, you could have it to a, a pickup point. So, you know, somewhere in the high street, for argument's sake, I don't know, Argos has a helipad on the roof and you could order something that will be delivered to a sort of a secure location. I could actually see that working to people's houses. I can't see it somehow. But they already have Amazon drop-off points at so many places anyway. Not within 30 minutes of dispatch, though. No, not within 30 minutes of dispatch. So we shall see. That could be the future, Amazon drones. And this has got me thinking. I remember a couple of years ago when we were at Gadget Show Live, we talked to Parrot, who are very well known for their AR drones. So I thought it might be an idea just to have a little uh, revisit to uh, some of the, um, the discussions we had about drones, just to see what the future looks like for the future of drones. Exciting. And a voice from the past. This is our Carl talking to the team at Parrot. I'm here with Asif. So tell us, Asif, what have we got today? The AR Drone 2.0, which we're premiering here in the UK today. The AR Drone. One, two, three, four fans and, and a shot, uh, sort of a sci-fi space shuttle look around it. What does it do? Yeah, so we call it a quadricopter and it's flown via a smartphone or an iPad. So it connects it via Wi-Fi. And all you do to fly it is very simple. As you lean your phone around, it mimics your movements. So if you lean your phone forwards, it flies forwards and and back, for example. Phenomenal. So I'm a pilot just with my iPhone. That is fantastic. Have you got anyone that can fly one here? Absolutely. My colleague Stuart here will uh, give you a quick demo. Okay, I've got on the screen of my iPhone, I've got a takeoff button and two pressure pads. So as soon as I hit the takeoff button, my drone flies up to about a metre high and stabilises itself. When I tilt the iPhone forward, it goes forward, backwards, left and right. And then the other pad on the other side increases the height and the yaw, left and right. And then also I can do a trick by double press of the pad, it does a somersault. That's phenomenal. Let me just talk the uh, listeners through what I'm looking at here. Not only is this thing hovering at a steady height, it's, and you say it's self-correcting, um, is it? Yeah, as soon as I let go of the controls, it self-corrects itself. It's That's got- Brilliant. Ultrasound sensors and pressure sensors. So it's, it's got its own little onboard computer that monitors what's happening in the environment and it stabilizes itself. So what happens on the screen, I'm looking at your iPhone screen, you've got an emergency button, is that the ejector seat? Yeah, that is. As soon as I hit that, it just automatically lands. 
Oh, brilliant. And all, all under its own steam. So yeah. you don't need to control it. It's, it's landing. It'll be a perfect landing and it won't damage the equipment, yeah. obviously, or the onboard computer. I have a landing button, a landing and a takeoff button. The emergency is just if I got into any trouble and I wanted to kill the power, I just kill the power and it lands safely. Now, there's something else on, on this. What What's that image? That looks like the gadget show ahead of the... That hasn't got a camera on it, has it? Yeah, it's got two cameras, 720p, so a HD on the camera, so we can see our flight, what we're doing on the screen of the iPhone. We've also got augmented reality games, so we can race against our friends, and also we can uh, have sort of shoot-em-ups, all done on the screen, so you can fire at your friends, you can record your flight, you can take pictures while you're flying, it's great. How well does it operate outside, or is it more of an indoor gadget? No, it's indoor or outdoor. It comes with an indoor hull, which is what you're seeing now, with protective circles around the propellers. So if you do hit anything, it bounces off. And then the outdoor hull is smaller without the protection round, and also it's lighter. So you just change the setting within the, the application, and you can go outdoors and fly to the range of your Wi-Fi, uh, which is about 50 metres. And also, what I like about this is uh, superficially, it, it doubles up in the summer as, as a giant fan, doesn't it? I mean, you could just hover that above your head and watch TV, couldn't you? You could indeed, yeah. So there you go. And I love my little drone. It's been out at so many events for me now. Yes, it does tend to get stuck in trees, but that's part of the fun. Well, hopefully you'll master it eventually and it won't get stuck in trees and you won't be sending poor random children up them to collect it for you. Hi, this is Dave Prowse, Darth Vader from Star Wars, and you're listening to Frequency Cast. Next, we have a listener challenge for you, Kelly. Should I be worried? I don't know. Have a look. Where are we? Uh, there we go. Richard Spencer from Leeds says... Is Kelly still looking for a challenge? Well, are you? Always. Okay, read on. If so, can I suggest the new Coke bottle challenge? Now, you must have heard about this. Yes, I have. And now I'm starting to wonder if actually you wrote in on this front and actually Richard Spencer possibly doesn't exist. I promise you this is genuine. Can I interest you in a Coke, by the way? I've got a can here. Well, I've just finished a Diet Coke and you you knew this was coming up. I could see the smug look on your face while I was drinking it earlier. It's all about recycling, you know. We don't want to just put it in the bin. If there's a use we can put to this old can, do you not think we should maybe do that? Well, I, do, I don't know about that. So come on, you must have seen the craze here. This is a little bit of an odd one. And um, this has been likened to last year's big craze, which of course was... Ice Bucket Challenge. Yes, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge. So this is a, uh, a thing that's beginning to grow in popularity. I don't know how serious this is going to be, but um, what does it involve, Kelly? Well, it essentially involves you holding a can or a bottle of Coke between your chest. That's basically the gist of it, yes. To raise awareness for you know, very sensible causes, but there are beginning to be photos appearing on Facebook how important a thing is this, do you think? Is this the next big uh, ice bucket challenge for this year or is this just a, uh, a little bit of a ploy or even cynically a uh, Coke marketing strategy? I haven't noticed it taking off in the same way that the ice bucket challenge did. Although having said that though, the ice bucket challenge was a bit of a slow burn. I heard about it a month before it really snowballed. Yeah, but you've already, with this challenge, alienated half of the population essentially like men Which, aren't going to get involved men are going to get involved men are going to be watching and retweeting and and downloading and encouraging their friends to do it i mean joining in although i'm sure that there'll be a few men still trying to join in 
I, th- I think the point with all of these things essentially is it does raise awareness. I'm, I'm really mixed about it because, I mean, the Ice Bucket Challenge last year were people doing it either through peer pressure or uh, maybe, you know, dare I say it, a little bit of attention seeking or uh, wanting to be part of the craze. Could this be the same thing? Well, I definitely think there's a bit of a sheep mentality. Once it starts, you kind of can't be the person that said no. Right. <laughs> I'll stop you there, Kelly. Hang on a minute. Let me just get the camera out. Hang on. Yeah, right. Uh, ready then, uh, when you are then, Kelly. Uh, you've clearly got a listener challenge here. Do you want to rise to that challenge? I don't know. I, I think I'm going to put this back out to the audience and see if it's a one listener challenge or if it's a multiple listener challenge. And maybe I will decide from there. Right. OK. Well, dear listener, if you think this is something that we should be supporting, you know how to get in touch. Equally, if you think this is another flash in the pan or it's just some weird Coke marketing strategy, let us know. And uh, this time next month, we'll be updating you on the latest. But I do want to know if listeners would also like Pete to partake in the challenge. Thanks a bucket. (laughs) Oh, that was an awful (laughs) joke. That was atrocious. It's a shame because I was actually going to take a video of you doing that for the, uh, the one second app. Have you heard of that one yet? No. One second of your life a day. Okay. And what it encourages you to do is take, well, as it says, one second of video a day. And the idea is you literally capture one second of your life every day and it will make a year-long montage of your life. I'm going to show you mine. I've only been doing this for a few days. I love how often your cat and amateur radio feature do that. <laughs> and Costa and Ingress, it's all in there. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. We're going to do today's now, please, Kelly, okay. if, if we could. Uh, I'm going to capture us for one second. If you could just hold the Coke can for me. Oh. No, not there. But no, <laughs> yes, there. Okay then, boss, what are we talking about next? We are talking about Sunfriend. Now, this is something we saw at the Wearable Tech Show, and uh, we want to put this interview in here. It's just about the right time of year to do it. This is a product to raise awareness of the dangers of being out in the sun for too long. It's a lovely little product. You wear it like you wear one of these fitness trackers around your wrist. And here to tell us a bit more is Kerin from Sunfriend. We're making uh, Sunfriend, which is the first wearable for monitoring the sun and uh, tracking how much UV exposure you're getting. And the whole idea is to get a healthy amount of sun at the same time have a safer time in the sun. Fantastic. Is this product aimed at uh, adults or children? Actually, it's aimed at everybody. We designed something that's really fun to wear. And it may look like it's aimed more at children, but really it's more aimed at people that are wanting to be outside in the sun. It's very, very durable. It's waterproof to three meters. And you can actually, you can't destroy it in the sand. It's not tethered to a smartphone, so you don't have to be worried about anything overheating or damaging. And the price is affordable. And uh, how long has this product been out? It's been out for about a half a year now. We've been testing it out on online in the States, in the UK, in, and in Australia. How easy is it to use? It's super easy to use. All you do is turn it on and you set your skin sensitivity. And if you've already set it, you use the same one that you've used before. If your skin doesn't turn red, then you can actually bump it up to a higher skin sensitivity, and it's the only adjustment that you have to make. Then you just wear it throughout the day, and the little LEDs light up as you accumulate sun, and when they start to flash, you take other precautions like sunscreens or going inside or covering up. I also say you've got a sign here for the 2.0. Can you tell me a little bit more about Sunfriend 2.0? Yeah, Sunfriend 2.0 is Bluetooth enabled. It will also have 
um, the same features that the SunFriend currently has, but the Bluetooth app will allow you to monitor a family pack, which is also proprietary to us, and it will also allow you to um, put indications in for a vitamin D factor, mostly telling how much um, sun that you are actually, or skin you actually have exposed to the sun. So you can choose arms and face, or legs, or your whole, bo whole body. Fantastic, and uh, where can we get this product from? You can get it on Amazon, on sunfriend.com, and so keep a watch on our website, and we'll list the retailers that are coming online. And you'll find more details up on the website. The address is... www.frequencycast.co.uk So there you go. If you've enjoyed us droning on about all sorts of gadgets in this show, please get in touch. I can only apologise for him now. Frequencycast, now loading. Interaction. Interaction time where we hear from our listeners. And who do we have first there, Kelly? The first one is from Nick Fletcher, who actually got in contact with us via Twitter. Yes. Now, we had a lot of feedback to the piece we did last month on the subject of smart meters. I guess you haven't changed your opinion, have you? No, I've not changed my opinion. And I, I've actually gone round and spoken to a lot of people about it. And I feel I may have enforced that opinion on a lot of people as well. OK, well, Nick Fletcher, as you say, got in touch via Twitter. What did he have to say on the subject? Well, he said, listening to your article on smart meters, who is paying for the day-to-day -day cost of running these, the consumer or the company? These are electrical items, so they do actually take up you know, power to run. My belief is it's going to be the consumer that's paying. Let's face it, the whole thing the consumer is paying for. This isn't something that the energy companies are doing out of the goodness of their heart. Well, I'm not happy about this. Anything that's costing me unnecessary money, I'm not going to be happy about. Well, we did hear an interesting question from Paul Andrew Bentley on our Facebook page. What did uh, Paul have to say? He said, just listening to the show about smart meters, what happens if you live in an area that can't get a mobile signal or it's not very good? How would it work? Yeah, that's an interesting one because the idea is they uh, look at your gas and electric usage and send a message over the air to the energy provider to tell you how much power you've been using. If there's no mobile, obviously that doesn't get through. And according to British Gas, a good mobile phone signal is required and uh, they won't install a smart meter if you can't get a mobile phone signal. So those people in the rural parts of the country, no smart meters and there'll still be people knocking on the door doing meter readings. Well, maybe that's where I need to go. Uh, we could always uh, use a drone to ship you out some supplies every now and then. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. We did get some positive feedback about smart meters. Um, we heard from Dennis Thomas, who said, I had a smart meter system installed about two years ago by British Gas, and I love it. The idea of having a bloke come round and read my meter now seems to me archaic. My readings go out every night. I can see on the website how much I've spent up to that day and also have a display at home to look at daily readings. Gas readings are updated to the home display every 30 minutes and electric readings are updated every six seconds. Now you see, I'm, I'm kind of with him here. Yes, it's a costly idea and it's a shame that this is going to be enforced on everyone by the government. He says, I'm not young, I'm a recent pensioner, but I've always been a bit of a geek. Maybe that's why he's keen on smart meters. Oh, we're all geeks here. We are indeed. Uh, right, uh, the next one is back on the subject of the BBC streaming radio saga. The first one is from Robert Lonegan. Yes, he says, I have a Robert's Stream 93i internet radio and I can access your podcast, but I've listed it as a station also. Love it. 
We are available as a podcast, but also as a 24-hour streaming radio station. So we are listed in the radio station's listings, and we seem to work where the BBC doesn't. So go Frequencycast. We also heard from Danny Witherington. He got in touch via Twitter, and he said... Just heard your show about BBC Radio format change. As a workaround, I made my own radio using an old S2. He did. And what's an S2, Kelly? That's got you, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he hasn't actually said, but my assumption here is this is a Samsung Galaxy S2. That's very impressive. That, that's far above my level, I'll be honest. The next one we have is from Anthony Horner. He says, I've just heard you mention that you have a Logitech squeeze box. I have three squeeze box threes and one squeeze box boom. I've been very happy with them, but I fear their days may be numbered. I can no longer listen to Napster on them, and I don't know how much longer Logitech will keep providing updates for their Squeezebox server software on the Mac. Anthony goes on to say he's thinking of replacing it with a QNAS NAS. There's a mouthful that I saved you having to say. Thank you very much. He wants to stay listening to Napster as his music is stored on his media server. He also wants to listen to BBC Listen Again and Audible. Any suggestions? Well... Off the top of my head, I'm thinking maybe the Pure One Flow. But listeners, if you've got any thoughts on what might meet the requirements there, please get in touch. And our final one, quite mysterious, just CB. Can I connect from a BT master socket via filter to a power line so that I can move the router? The answer to this one is a simple no, I'm afraid. Power lines are used to send data using Ethernet from a router around a house over the mains wiring. They can't be used to extend a BT socket, I'm afraid. So you're either in the realms of a wired extension socket or getting BT in to move the master socket. You can't use a power line for that, I'm afraid. That was an easy one. That was, yeah. So if you have an easy question or even a not so easy question, we'd love to hear from you. Number of ways you can get in touch, Kelly. You can call us and leave us a voicemail. The number is 0208 133 4567. You can send us a text on 07882 043 521. Or you can send us an email via the Contact Us button on our site. Right, well that's all for this show. It's time for the drone to come and pick us up. As long as we're going somewhere sunny. Frequency Cast. Shutdown in progress. Thanks for listening to today's Frequency Cast. For news updates and to get in touch with us, go to frequencycast.co.uk. While you're there, click the Add Us to iTunes button. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Frequency Cast. Our shows are driven by your feedback, so please get in touch and tell your friends. Frequency Cast.